You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Good morning, Christ Walk Church. How's everybody doing today? So, so good to see all of you this morning. For those of you that are tuned in, worshiping with us online, it's great to have you with us as well. Um, Today is a very special day uh, for me personally because this will be the last message that I preach in my 30s. Um, Yeah, I got one old man down here clapping for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, if you couldn't tell by this bald spot that is forming... Um, and the balloons and cupcakes out front. I turned 40 on Tuesday, and I'm excited. Um, I tell this story a lot. Uh, when I first, um, when I first uh, uh, became the pastor of Christwalk Church almost 1,300 days ago, um, yes, I keep in my journal every day, I mark down another day because it's just a reminder of God's faithfulness over and over and over. You've helped me one more day. When I became the pastor of Christ Walk Church um, almost four years ago, uh, at the age of 37, people, um, people said, oh, you don't look old enough to be a pastor. There's no way you're 37. There's no way you pastor that church. People don't say that anymore four years later. <laughs> They're not saying that kind of stuff anymore. Um, If you got your Bible or a smart device, why don't you turn with me or swipe with me to um, to the the Old Testament. If you you got a traditional Bible like this, if you open up your Bible right to the middle, you should be there. The book of Psalms, um, we're going to be in arguably uh, the most well-known chapter of the book of Psalms, uh, perhaps even of the entire Bible today, Psalm chapter 23. Um, because we're in uh, part three of a series uh, called The Psalms. We're super creative around here, um, where we're taking a look at a handful of different psalms, not from the standpoint of what they reveal to us in terms of expressions of worship, but rather to examine their contents in order to form uh, a biblical worldview. And a worldview, if you're not familiar with that term, it's simply a lens through which we interpret our interactions with the world and the people around us. And here at Christ Walk Church, we believe that the Bible, the scriptures, they should be the primary lens through which we view every aspect of our life. And all the way back in part one of this series, we looked at Psalm 1, where the writer talks about two different paths, the path of the righteous and the path of the wicked. And as we talked uh, and worked through that Psalm, we discovered that our desire determines our direction and our direction determines our final destination. And then last week in part two, we looked at Psalm chapter two and its overarching theme of God's sovereignty. And together we learned that when it comes to God, God, there is no refuge from him. There's only refuge in him. And if you missed either of those messages, I would highly encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel or our podcast and watch or listen um, so that you can catch up for today because they serve each of these installments of this series serves as a different building block or a stair step for this biblical worldview that we are putting together. And so today, as I mentioned, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 23. Um, Here, 
recently, one of, one of in, in my opinion, the most brilliant, one of my favorite kind of marketing campaigns, um, especially because uh, the bulk of it took place during college football season. I'm a huge, huge college sports fan. We're just one week out from the kickoff of college football. I can't wait. Anybody with me? Anybody pumped? Yeah. That's right. So even though I'm a Kentucky fan, I still love college football. And um, this, this marketing campaign kind of uh, uh, rose uh, to popularity. And it's, anybody, are you familiar with the Allstate Mayhem commercials? You know what I'm talking about? It was like, it, 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 it paints a picture of a series of random events leading to complete and utter disaster in the most ridiculous of ways um, and, and, and talks about how like uh, people that don't have the, the right insurance coverage, how things could end up for them, that you need to get all states so that you can be protected from mayhem like this guy. You know, it was like a haggard guy with like bruises and bandages, and he was just wreaking havoc on everything. It's, it's, it's one of the more recognizable uh, marketing campaigns of recent years, and the campaign is so rela- relatable because it taps into the idea that, that life is chaotic, uncertain, and unpredictable at times. It, it harkens back to what the great theologian Forrest Gump said, or maybe perhaps his, his wife, uh, uh, I mean his mom, who said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And, and the thought of not being able to know what's coming next, what's lurking around the corner, is often unsettling for, for us, for you and for me. Because let's face it, we, we want assurances, right? We want to have these certain assurances in life that that when disaster strikes, how can we make certain? Are there things that we can do? Are there safeguards that we can put into place to make sure that everything is going to turn out right in the end? And at the end of each one of those commercials, we're reassured that with Allstate, we are in good hands. So you guys know it. That, That lets you know that the marketing campaign was successful. And, and the reason that this resonates with us is because that's exactly what you and I want. We want to take comfort in the fact that no matter what life may throw our way, that we are in good hands, that we are safe and we are comfortable and we are cared for and that everything is going to be okay. And, and this plays into the biblical worldview that we've been talking about and building over these past few weeks in, in, in a couple ways. Number, number one, it, it starts off with two contingencies. And the two contingencies come from the previous two chapters, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 respectively that we've looked at. That, that Psalm 1 would say, if we choose to walk the path of righteousness rather than the path of the wicked. And then the second contingency comes from Psalm 2 that if we submit to the sovereignty of God and we accept slavery to righteousness, we exchange slavery from sin for slavery to righteousness, then if we fulfill those two contingencies, then we can have a confidence. And and Psalm 23 gives us the confidence for what you and I can expect as a result of choosing to live the way that Psalm 1 and 2 talks about. It's the guarantee, ultimately, that with Jesus, we are in good hands. That in good times or in bad times, he is all that we need. Amen? 
Amen. So let's turn our attention to Psalm 23, and we're going to read the entirety together. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation this morning. It's going to be here on the screen. Starting in verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, when we read Psalm 23, and we know many of us that it was written by David, uh, typically we think of little 15-year-old David out in the pasture taking care of his father Jesse's sheep. We know that, that he was, he was the, the shepherd of all of the boys, and, and we, we've heard the stories of how um, he would protect the sheep from from the bear and the lion and he would sit out in the fields and he would watch the sheep and he would play his harp and and would write songs and a lot of the psalms and everything but but ultimately that's that's not what's going on here that's not the david who is writing this and instead uh, many scholars believe that that psalm 23 was not written at the beginning or the early stages of david's life when he was a young boy in the shepherd or in in the fields uh, being the shepherd for his father's flock but rather that it was toward the end of his life when he is a war-hardened king and he's looking back retrospectively over the course of his life and recounting God's faithfulness to him and that, that many people believe that it was even likely during the time of Absalom, his son, during the time of Absalom's rebellion when, when David was, was on the run once again for his life and he was out kind of ostracized and out in the middle of nowhere by himself and he's thinking about God's faithfulness faithfulness and his goodness over the course of his life. And, and he hearkens back to his time as a shepherd and, and makes the connections there. So you can take the boy out of the pasture and make him a king, but you can never take the heart out uh, the heart of the shepherd out of the boy. And so that is where David is in this moment. He's thinking about his life. It's in this, and he's writing about this, this wonderful picture of, of the highs and the lows that are experienced that you and I can identify with, the highs and the lows that we experience in life. And David understood and what he's writing about in this psalm is that, that whether high or low or somewhere in between, that God was there with him in each and every one of those moments, and that in those moments, God was all that he needed. And I love the way that the psalm begins, this, the opening words of it. It begins first with a declaration. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He declares that the Lord is my shepherd. And this, this declaration, it is definitive because he says the Lord is my shepherd. Not the Lord might be, the Lord could be, the Lord may be. No, the Lord is my shepherd. So it's definitive in its statement. It's personal. The Lord is my shepherd. David is taking ownership here. He's, he's celebrating his relationship with God the Father. 
The Lord is my shepherd. So it's definitive, it's personal, and it's also descriptive. The Lord is my shepherd. There's, there's certain responsibilities that a shepherd has in regard to his sheep. And so David, being a shepherd himself, is connecting the dots between the character and, and, and the, the ability and the responsibility of God and, and how he has acted as a shepherd throughout the course of David's life. There are responsibilities that come along with being the shepherd, as David would have well known. And, and Jesus talks about these responsibilities in John chapter 10, verse 11. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. The responsibility of the shepherd is that the shepherd was going to give up everything on behalf of the sheep. And David knew this saying, the Lord is my shepherd. He was declaring this. And on the back end of that declaration is a deduction. And the deduction that David comes to is that because the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Because of who God is and because of my relationship with him through Christ, I can say that I have everything that I need because Jesus Christ, the the great shepherd, sacrificed his life for us, for you and me, the sheep. In him, we have everything. That is what this psalm is pointing each of us to. That's what it's painting the picture for. And in the following verses, David lays out the assurances that you and I can have when we find ourselves in the good hands of the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. And so if you're taking notes this morning, Maybe you want to write these down. There's four assurances that you and I have in the great shepherd. Four assurances that you and I have in the great shepherd. Number one, we have the assurance of his provision. We have the assurance of his provision. In verse 2 of Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3, David writes, He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Have you ever noticed that we wear busy like it's a badge of honor? Anybody ever notice that? Like somebody says, how's it going? And you say, "Mm, it's busy. Life's busy. How's life? Oh, it's busy, busy. You staying busy? Oh, you know I am staying busy. Lots of stuff going on, so busy. That's the mindset of the world. The world thinks one more text, one more email, one more call, one more sale. And for what? Just to get up the next day and do it all over again. We're just busy, busy, busy. And we celebrate that. And and when we say that we're busy to other people, they, they respond with affirmation and confirmation Somehow that we're doing the things and living the life the way that we're supposed to. You know what comes on the backside of busy? You know the other response that I hear or that I often give myself? If I'm not saying that life is busy or that I'm not staying busy, somebody says, how's it going? And you hear, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted because I'm just busy, busy, busy. But our shepherd He lets us rest in green 
meadows. Maybe your translation says, he makes me lie down. That means there's no option. There's no option with the shepherd. He, he lets us or he makes us rest because when we rest, it renews our strength. And the shepherd, he knows what is best for his sheep. And so when we're busy or we're exhausted, and I would dare say that the vast majority of us would describe our lives that way this morning. When we are busy or exhausted, I believe it's because often we've gotten out ahead of God. And we're no longer allowing him to lead our lives. Because if he was, or if we were allowing him to, we would experience rest and renewal. Psalm 23 says so. It says, he leads me. When we're allowing the shepherd to lead, we end up at peaceful streams. There's no turbulence there. There's no chaos. It's absent of waves and wind and storms. It's complete and total peace. When we allow the the shepherd to lead us, we we find that that peace isn't something that we come into. It's something that comes into us because we're allowing the father to lead us and his peace washes over and enters into our life because that is just the result of us being willing to follow after him and not getting out ahead. It says, "He, he guides me along right paths. That would indicate that there's also a wrong path. And so does that mean that if our lives, if we would describe our lives as busy and exhausting, that we are on the wrong path? Could it it be that, that if that's the way that we would describe our lives, that maybe we're chasing after the wrong things? I think that's what David is writing about. He's saying, if you were chasing after the right things and you're allowing the the shepherd, the Lord to lead you, then the end result is going to be rest and renewal. It's going to be be peace. Those are the things. How great would it be? How great would it be? There's a whole lot of parents of newborn babies in the room. How great would it be if I said, hey, how's it going? You're like, I'm so rested. I'm just renewed. I am, man, things are at peace in my household. Like, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if when somebody asked us that, instead of responding with busy or exhausted, if we could say, man, I'm just rested. I feel great. I've got the joy of the Lord inside of my life. Guess what? That's how it's supposed to be. If we would just let the Lord lead instead of us getting out in front of him. Jesus talked about it in his Sermon on the Mount in in Matthew 6, verses 32 and 33. He says, these things, what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. The pursuit of things outside of God himself, that's what dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek it first and live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need. And that begins with rest and the renewal of your strength and peace. That if we'll put him and the pursuit of the shepherd and allow him to lead in God, if we'll get that in the right place, then everything else will fall into the right place in our lives. We are guaranteed the assurance of his provision. Number two, 
We're guaranteed the assurance of his protection. The assurance of his protection. Verse 4 of Psalm 23 says this. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. Notice it says, even when. That's an important word. Even when. You're going to walk through some dark seasons in your life. That doesn't mean that the Lord has left you. It says, for you are close beside me. Even when I walk there, you are close beside me. The Lord hasn't left you. He's not punishing you. You're not being disciplined there. Sometimes we walk through dark seasons so that the Lord can develop some stuff in us. He's doing some things to to help us uh, uh, lean into him a little bit more, that we place our hope and our trust in him a little bit deeper and that that we'll realize, oh, I've been out in front, so I need to get back in line. I I need to get him where he's supposed to be so that I'm following after him instead of tugging him along in the direction that I want to go. We're going to experience bad stuff in our lives. If you're surrendered to Jesus Christ, guess what? We still live in a wicked and depraved world. Bad stuff's going to happen. It's not all sunshine and rainbows as a Christian. And whoever told you that is a liar. And they need to read their Bible. Okay? Bad stuff is going to happen. But God, he is right there with us every step of the way. It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, or maybe the way you learned it in Sunday school is, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? The valley of the shadow of death. Here's a couple things I know about shadows. Two facts. Number one, shadows can't sting. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Shadows can't sting. It's the shadow of death. It's not death, it's the shadow. A shadow can't affect you. A shadow just just washes over. There's there's nothing that a shadow can do to harm you in any way, shape, form, or fashion. It's it's just it's just a it's just there. There's there's no substance to it. Shadows can't sting. Number 2, the shadow proves the sunshine. If it weren't for the proximity of the light of Jesus Christ shining in our lives, there would be no shadow to begin with. So whenever we see shadows, you and I, we can rejoice. We can celebrate because we know that the life and the love and the light of Jesus Christ is right there with us just as he promised. Because if it weren't for his light shining, there would be no shadow in the first place. So whenever you're in the midst of the shadows... We can choose something other than fear because Jesus, our shepherd, he is near to us and his light is shining in our situation. Not only is he near to us, but but he's got some tools that he wants to use in our life. It says that he brings along his rod and the shepherd would have a, a rod, which was actually a small club that was used to stun or kill an attacking beast. So he's our defender. The shepherd is our defender that, that when, when evil comes our way, when something comes to attack us, he, he's going to take care of it with that rod. Just like David took care of, of, of the lion and the bear, the, the God that we serve, our great shepherd, he, he's going he's gonna to defend us. He's going to fight off any enemy and the attacks that he would bring along in our life. 
It also says in addition to his rod, he, he's got his staff, and that those things, they, they protect and they, they comfort us. Not only is he our defender, but, but the staff, it was a shepherd's crook. It's, it's what you think of when you think of like the, um, the shepherds in, in the Christmas story. Or you think of like an old-timey shepherd, you know, it's the long thing and it's got the hook at the top of it. They were used to assist the individual sheep. That not only did he provide defense with his rod, but with his staff, he would provide discipline and direction. Don't think that when one of those sheep got out of line and they started to go off, that he wouldn't reach out with that shepherd's crook and whack it on the hiney and get it back moving in with the rest of the herd. That, that don't think that, that when that sheep slipped and fell down into a deep ravine and, and was, was being separated from the herd, that he wouldn't reach down and, and, and put that, that crook underneath the sheep and, and bring it back to safety and get it back on the path of, of where they were going. His rod and his staff, they protect us and, and they bring us comfort because it lets us know that if we get out of line or that, that if evil befalls us, that, that we're going to be okay, that he's going to constantly move us and lead us and guide us and, and be sure that we're moving in the right direction if we'll submit to his leadership in our life. In Psalm 18, verse 30, we read this. It says, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. That shield only works if we're going God's way. If we're going in a way that's different than God's way, we move outside his ability to protect us from harm. But if we'll move in his way and we'll, we'll submit to his guidance and his leadership, then we will be protected when we seek after him. Amen? We have the assurance of his provision. We have the assurance of his protection. The third assurance David talks about in this psalm is the assurance of his presence. The assurance of his presence. Verse 5 says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And when we first read that, we're like, Oh no, the enemy is present. The enemy is there. The enemy is lurking about. The enemy is wanting to devour us. He's wanting to cause us harm. The enemy is there in the midst of our lives. But guess what? So is God. The enemy is present, but so is God. And the enemy comes in and we're like, God, what should we do? And he was like, could you pass the mustard so I can make you this sandwich? That's what's going on. Really, God, did you not see the, the claws and the fangs and the weapons that the enemy is bringing to this battle. Uh, I need the salt and pepper, please. He's preparing a feast for us. He's not like, oh, you need to do this. and you, no, We need to do nothing. There's, there's no directive given for you or for me right there. It's, it's God doing everything. And, and the way that God handles it when the enemy rushes into our life is that he prepares a feast. He sets the table. He gets out the fine china. And he invites us to just sit down and enjoy. See, God isn't worried. He's not threatened by the enemy's presence in our life. We need to, we need to get, like, stay calm, right? He's got it under control. He's making us a sandwich. And he's seating us at his table. 
The enemy comes in wanting to steal and wanting to kill and wanting to destroy. The enemy works with subtraction and division, but, but Jesus came to give life in all of its fullness. Jesus operates in addition and multiplication. And, and when the enemy comes in our life wanting to subtract and divide, God says, I want to I wanna give to you an, an abundance. The enemy's wanting to come and he's wanting to take away. And God says, just sit right here in the table and, and feast on the overflow of my blessings in your life that instead of fighting we get to feast and he's going to fight on our behalf this feast that he invites us to this this table of the lord it features his body and his blood his body that was broken so that we could be healed and made whole. His blood that was poured out on the cross of Calvary so that we could receive forgiveness and freedom from sin once and for all. And each time we come to that table in the midst of the battle, we interact with the very person of Jesus Christ. We are, we are never more in his presence on this earth and when we come to the table of the Lord. And we are reminded that through the battle, he is with us, but that through him, victory over the enemy is already ours for the taking. Because through his body that was broken, through his blood that is poured out, we have been made victorious. There is nothing that this world can throw at us that makes a hill of difference at all whatsoever. That's what it means to live for something more. How freeing is that to be able to walk through this life in this wicked and depraved world and know that whatever comes your way, it can't touch you because to live is Christ, but to die is gain. You take this away from me, you're actually giving me a blessing. That's what our hope is in this morning. We don't have to fear the things of this world. Because God's presence is with us and the battle is already won. Matthew 28, verse 20. Jesus is speaking to his disciples for the very last time. This is right before he ascends back into heaven after the crucifixion and the resurrection. He's giving them some final instructions and he's, he's just spoken to them what in the church circle we would call the Great Commission. To go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything that he has taught us. And he sums that up by saying, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He went away so that the Holy Spirit could come our comforter, our paraclete could come and could lead us forward to fulfill the calling that he has placed on our life. So just because we may not be able to see him, just because we may not be able to feel him does not mean that he is not with us. His promise is that I'm with you always. You look that up in the original Greek, it means always. Anywhere, everywhere, whenever he is with us, we have the assurance of his presence, his provision, his protection. Number four, we have the assurance of his pursuit. We have the assurance of his pursuit. Verse five continues in Psalm 23. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. 
My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Each evening, the shepherd would count his sheep one by one. He would call them by name. They would pass under his crook and he would examine them from top to bottom. He would anoint their heads with oil to soothe any cuts or abrasions and to help keep the bugs away from their faces. He would give them a drink from a large two-handled jar full of water that would overflow as they would drink from it to be refreshed and revived. And then he would place them in the fold for them to sleep for the night. They would kind of back up into this this cleft in the mountainside where they would be surrounded by rocks. And then the shepherd would lay down in front of them as the door or the gate of the fold. And as he went through this ritual every single day, every single evening, if he noticed that one of the sheep would, was missing, he, he would stop at nothing until it was returned. The, the details of our life are not overlooked by God. He, every single day, he would get down into the nitty gritty with his sheep and, and he would care for them and, and he would love on them and he would interact with them and he would make certain that, that any need that they had was met. And if one of them was, was missing, he would go out to find it. Luke 15 Starting in verse three, it says this. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and, and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And then when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Continuing in verse six. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I've found my lost sheep. And in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Once upon a time, perhaps today, You and I are nothing but lost sheep in need of rescue. Christ pursued us all the way to the cross and there he took our place. The cross that you and I deserved as punishment and penalty for our sin. The great shepherd said, no, I'm gonna sacrificially give up my life for the sheep. And there he fulfilled his responsibility to us the shepherd to his sheep. And because of the cross, the ransom for sin has been provided. Because of the cross, protection from death, hell, and the grave has been established. And because of the cross, the day is coming when those of us that have placed our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ will be fully in his presence and see him face to face. That's the assurance that we have today. That's what Psalm 23 is all about. 
But none of it matters if you and I can't make the same declaration that David made at the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I've got to ask, are you able to truly say that today? Is he your shepherd? Not a shepherd, not the shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Are you truly following after his lead and experiencing the rest and the renewal and the peace that comes along with it? Or could it be that maybe you've gotten out ahead of the shepherd and ended up getting off track? Is he your shepherd today? Do you realize that in him you have everything that you could possibly need? Or could it be that maybe you've been searching elsewhere to fill that hole, that void in your life, placing your hope in outside and external sources that aren't him? Maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor Blake, I'm ready once and for all to make Jesus my shepherd and to follow his lead. If that's you, I I would invite you to pray this prayer with me. If you're watching with us online and the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart this morning, I invite you to pray this with me all over this house and every room online. Can, Can we pray this together? It's gonna be on the screen if you need it. If you're ready to make Jesus your shepherd and surrender to his way for the rest of your life. Would you pray this today? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And today I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.